Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. It means another night that Alfred Kunawa and me, Justin Lavar, can close it down with you. Or it's another day after AEW Dynamite where we can narrate your day and help the procrastination all the way. Alfred, we got a lot to talk about tonight. But first, let's just get into a little small talk. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, very well. It's a fun night in sports, not only AEW, but of course the Dodgers and the Cardinals in the playoffs, which I think is going to hurt AEW's viewership. But uh, it's it's been a good night, and it was a pretty hot ending to, to a show that I thought was a hot show, especially in terms of the crowd involvement. You know, the crowd would make you think that this is a huge show, but when you look at a lot of what went on, it was kind of um, not much to write home about until, you know, the end and uh, maybe a couple of segments here. They had a good announcement, but it was a great crowd tonight, I thought. Yes, very hot crowd. They were coming from uh, Philadelphia. They were uh, on the uh, campus of Temple University, I believe. Uh, so hot Philly crowd. Um, and yeah, I mean, really, they they were into a lot of uh, a lot of what happened tonight. They they were heavy on the chance. Uh, even even in Moxley's entrance, we'll talk about it when we get there. In the main event ladder match, I saw a few fans uh, get the brunt of a few shots. Uh, by accident, a few errant blows that are coming their way. Yet even one guy in the front row holding a kid, it looked like, uh, had to, had to duck out of the way. So uh, that, that was the most Philadelphia entrance that John Moxley could have had. Yeah, it was a little more uh, a little more interactive maybe than, than you get at your typical WWE show. Yeah, uh, if you will. So yeah, a lot to talk about tonight. I mean, there was an announcement that t- that uh, Tony Schiavone made uh, through Tony Khan. Uh, there's the casino ladder match where the winner gets to have a uh, an automatic title match against Kenny Omega at some point. I mean, we had parking lot brawls. We had our now weekly CM Punk check-in of a promo. Um, the, the latest from Crazy Arn, Crazy Uncle Arn. Yes. Uh, Dan Lambert uh, getting more heat in Philly oh uh, than than a, than a New York Giant could. I mean, it, it was just. You know, a lot to talk about tonight. We will run down Dynamite in just a few moments, but as we always like to do, uh, we do like to get some of the news headlines in there. I, I know some people kind of go like, well, why do you do news headlines, especially if they're WWE news and a show that's about a Dynamite review? Well, the idea is we're also promoting the site that this podcast is for, Wrestling Inc., so we want to touch on some news headlines that Wrestling Inc. is putting out there. Also, 
some of those news headlines are what some other people like to hear and like to come on the show and hear Alfred and I talk about or whoever the guests are. Uh, yeah, I know there's other podcasts through the wrestling network that might touch on news, but not everybody listens to everything. So, you know, it's buffet, just like AEW. It's supposed to be a flavor for everybody. Uh, so that's, that's what we're going to do here. Uh, we will start, though, quickly with the uh, WWE side of the news, starting with NXT 2.0. Uh, last night's episode, Alfred, drew 632,000 viewers, according to Show Buzz Daily. Uh, that's down 3% from the previous week. Uh, and they were a 0.13 in the key uh, 18 to 49 demo. That's down 7%. Uh, Alfred, this is the lowest of the viewership of this NXT 2.0 in its uh, short uh, new history. Yeah, I, I was expecting it to be down lower even because they were going head-to-head with the Yankees and the Red Sox in the MLB playoffs, which is a huge game. Um, a lot of people watch that game, and it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest rivalry in all of sports, not even in just baseball, just based on its lineage. And uh, so, yeah, I expected it to go down, especially because NXT 2.0 has also been kind of struggling to hold on the viewers, as you saw last week when they had a big drop-off. So uh, I like the fact that they have Halloween Havoc announced. I think that's going to help that they have now something to build toward with this NXT 2.0, because this show has just been them throwing a lot of stuff out there, a lot of new stuff, and not really even having much of the direction now they're starting to announce a lot of matches for this big tv special and i think halloween havoc should start to turn things around but i really do think that uh, this brand is in need of more than just these big shows they really do need some of these main roster stars and wwe is probably going to realize that sooner rather than later the more these numbers keep going down yeah it'll be interesting to see how this halloween havoc uh, gets produced of course nxt uh, has been known uh for pulling out the throwbacks uh whether it be you know Halloween Havocs or Great American Bashes or or, or In Your Houses, uh, they, they've gone with the nostalgia. But, of course, again, this will be the first time they're going with this nostalgia under the new NXT 2.0, under the new brighter look, uh, under the, you know, what we're hearing at least more influence from a, from the Kevin Dunn's and, and, and the Vince McMahon's and Bruce Pritchard's uh, of the company. So, uh, you know, how it's produced will, will be something to watch, but I do agree, you know, and you know, just like any promotion, you always need a takeover or some kind of a special to build towards. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have anything to build toward, everything kind of feels really open-ended, really almost kind of like if you're a fan, it's almost like, well, why am I watching? What, what What's, what's the next uh, payoff point? So this is definitely needed. I agree. Uh, one person who right now won't be at Halloween Havoc to best of our knowledge is Johnny Gargano. Uh, Another news item you can uh, read more about on Wrestling Inc. is Johnny Gargano has removed all WWE NXT references from his social media uh, accounts. So, you know, it used to be, you know, a little, you know, it used to be something like Pro Wrestler, Pro Wrestler, Clevender, Be Yourself and Outwork, and he had uh, tagged NXT on USA Network for how you can see him. And now it just reads Pro Wrestler, Clevelander, Clevelander, Be Yourself and Outwork. No USA, no WWE NXT. Um, so, you know, it's been rumored that Gargano's contract is in fact going to expire, uh, in early December. So, I mean, this, this certainly when there's, you know, you got to think that this is some smoke here. Uh, you know, this this is a big, this is a pretty big deal, especially in the time where we're seeing, uh, some mass exodus, uh, of guys, uh, and girls from the company, uh, either by their choice or by WWE's choice. 
Yeah, and WWE better think that there's some smoke here. Like, I don't know the full story, but from the outside looking in, we've seen too many instances of WWE people having their contracts go up and then showing up in AEW for me not to believe that, oh, there might be some smoke here. Johnny Gargano might be on his way out. And he's clearly playing with the internet as well and running with these by posting those pictures of the belts and saying what's next. So I my heart tells me that he's going to stay maybe in NXT just because of the situation he's in and he's in a good spot and then NXT alongside his wife and um but I, I don't know I really don't know and AEW is a, would be a good fit for Johnny Gargano he's listen the old thing goes under six feet you get over an AEW and Johnny Gargano is <laughs> one of the smaller type of wrestlers who's a great phenomenal worker you could argue the best worker in all of WWE and you know AEW likes that type of work rate type stuff and he would fit in like a glove in AEW uh if you were to go there but uh, we'll see where this goes but this is definitely a story well, we, we, you know, we say that Johnny would be a great fit in AEW, but at what point, at what point is there's no more room to fit in AEW? I agree. You know, I agree. I mean, you know, Johnny is like an Adam Cole situation in the sense of uh, he's he's very organically popular. You know, Johnny wrestling is something that really just stuck with him. Uh, obviously, he delivers in the ring. Uh, he, he's very versatile for a guy who was a babyface. You know, the majority of his career uh, throughout the independence leading into his NXT run. Uh, he certainly flipped the switch and shown that he can play a very obnoxious, very just want to punch him heel. Um, he can also do the comedy. Uh, you know, his name is Johnny Gargano. Yeah, that is so he take that name with him. Uh, he doesn't have to, you know, go through the name generator. <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things you go, well, you know, this would work for AW, but at the same point, like, you know, Adam Cole also was an exception to a fitting because he had such history. Uh, with the guys, of course, he's now back with uh, the Bucks and, and Kenny and such. You know, I mean, Johnny, it's like, okay, again, where do we where do we toss him in at? And I also, also think if you're a talent, let's say if you're Johnny Gargano, if there's the ability to stay and still make good money by WWE, at some point you got to go, well, somebody still has to somebody still has to be a star of this show. Yes. And if you're running on it, you know, and if that means that you got to be the guy that gets to stay, whether it's at NXT or whether they say, look, this NXT is moving in a new direction. This is, truly is going to be a breeding ground. It's going to be characters. It's going to be WWF Sunday superstars. It's time for Johnny Wrestling to come to Raw or SmackDown, and let's 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 take our best shot with that. At some point, you got to say, "Well, look, yeah, all these other people are leaving. That's room for me now to be a star." So I I, I don't put it past that Johnny knows that his contract information is out there. Uh, the office knows his contract information is out there. I don't put it past him playing a little games, uh, playing a little rumored speculation, only to make his resurfacing, maybe a Royal Rumble or something, be that much of a uh, of a bigger deal. And this is what he should be doing. Even if he knows in his heart of hearts he's going to be staying in NXT, get your money, Johnny. Like, put it out there that, hey, man, I might be going like some of the other guys did so that you can get more bang for your buck. And I think what you're saying in terms of people uh, leaving and not being around to push, I think that's why Pete Dunne resigned with WWE, is he's looking around NXT like, well, who else are they going to push at the top of this card? I've got a great opportunity now that there is a little bit more room here. And I think Johnny Gargano would be in that same exact boat. Super chat, which we always encourage you guys to do. We appreciate him. Tony two four one four ninety nine. He says, "I'm at Dynamite and got pushed over by Moxley and Archer yeah. during Moxley's entrance, and I loved it. Place was nuts. First live show ever. Uh, well, that's yeah, awesome, Tony. Uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, tune into the show, donate some money while you're still there. Uh, I presume, assuming you're still there in Philly uh, at the arena. So uh, be safe and enjoy. Yeah, that we'll uh, we'll talk all about that when we get to the main event. A very high energy, high octane." main event that was uh, an AEW Dynamite, which we'll get to in just a second after we do this final news item, which is on the AEW side of the aisle, and it has to do with AEW President Tony Khan. He acknowledged in an interview with Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, he acknowledged some of the reports that were floating out on the internet last week, Alfred, about how 
the EVPs have lost some power and, and Tony's taking a little more control. Uh, and Tony said he did see those reports. Um, and I'm using a quote here. He says, he says, I saw those reports this week and I thought that was pretty disingenuous stuff from some of the internet wrestling writers because nothing has changed in recent months. Uh, he goes on to say that it was a structure change at the end of 2019 where he did uh, take over more of the final decision making and booking just to have more, uh, you know, final say and control and organization, but noted that all of them still uh, are pitching ideas, are very involved uh, with with creative and, and the general motion, kind of downplayed the narrative that they were, you know, uh, being sent to the kids' table, so to speak. So, uh, you know, Tony Khan, uh, you know, I guess if that's the case, uh, you know, again, props to him for uh, addressing it. He's been he's he's super accessible, you know, for for a guy who's you know, worth over a billion dollars and owns a wrestling company and a, and a, and a football, uh, American football team and a European football team. You know, he makes himself very uh, available on social media and, 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 and internet uh, inter- interviews in general with the press. So uh, good on him to address it and kind of, you know, let, let, let it come from the horse's mouth of what's the situation. And it's even more impressive that he's making himself this accessible, given what's going on with Jacksonville Jaguars right now in the NFL, and that they are in the eye of a storm right now, uh, publicly from a PR standpoint. Uh, but I don't think there was ever a doubt, at least you know, even among us, that the EVPs, quote-unquote, didn't have any power. I-, I never believed that the Cody Rhodes and the Kenny Omegas of the world didn't have any power, and they just stripped them of all their powers and just sent them away. I always believed that there was some form of influence, but I mean, the story that Tony Khan confirmed in that he is the alpha, he the buck stops with him, he's the head of the table, if you will. That's what I've always believed in that, yes, of course, the Cody Rhodes and the guys who started this company are going to have some say so, but they're not going to be the final say. They're not booking the company, so to speak. Uh, they don't have as much power of Tony. That's what I've always believed. And I'm sure that there are some reports that have kind of gotten out of control. And you know how the internet and Twitter is when they get their hands on a potentially salacious story of these guys losing all their power, and then they'll run with it. But I never believed that they lost all their power and that, uh, you know, Tony Khan is in charge and it's just only him. Uh, I did believe that Tony Khan has more power than they do, as which that's what it should be. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike Johnson, I think he missed the opportunity to ask a little more about the Urban Meyer situation. Uh, yes, he did. That's all I would have been asking about. <laughs> Urban Meyer's the next <laughs> the next one to join. Uh, well, what's he going to do? He's going to be, he could have been the Joker tonight. He could have. <laughs> well, he's already a Joker. Uh, the Jags might go 0-17 this year, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I do have James Robinson in fantasy. And he's been killing it for me lately, though. So shout out to James Robinson. And Marvin Jones screwed up this past week, but he's been really good for me, too, based on where I got him in the draft. Well, and and I'll still say, you know, obviously at the end of the day, it matters. you got to win games. But Trevor Lawrence does not look like, you know, we've seen rookie quarterbacks who look like bumbling, fumbling rookie quarterbacks, and it doesn't matter how good they were in college, they get a rude awakening at the speed of the NFL game. Trevor Lawrence doesn't look like he's that far behind. He he, he looks no. he looks calm and confident uh, more more often than not. So He'll be a superstar. Indeed. Uh, all right, that was your football talk for the show. $5 by Brian Medina says, why do WWE stars just do Impact or AEW? They're still Ring of Honor, NWA, et cetera. Uh, well, Brian, it's it, a lot of factors. I mean, obviously, a number one is money. Um, you know, a, besides WWE, AEW is is the is the next place where there's the most number of high span high paying spots that are comparable or better than WWE pay. You know, not saying that Impact doesn't have a few guys that are making 
what some WWE and AEW guys are, but it, AEW has AEW have the most spots to offer that. So, you know, the roster's bigger, more money to go around. It's also a matter of fit of the brand. You know, NWA is a certain kind of identity uh, with this old school studio wrestling. So some guys or girls might not fit that. Uh, so it's the same with, you know, Ring of Honor. I, you know, it's same thing with them. You know, they, it, you know, do you fit with what they're going to do? Is your, is your character, um, you know, going to be, you know, be used there? I, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, Alfred, it's money, right? It's all down to the money. It definitely is all down to the money. But as you were saying early, I think um, eventually AEW's cup is going to run it over if it hasn't already in terms of all these former WWE guys that they can take. And I think we're going to start heading into a new era where people from WWE or even AEW start heading to these other companies like an Impact. We're already hearing some rumors about Impact really wanting Braun Strowman. I think Bray Wyatt might end up at Impact. That can still happen. And I do think that some of these other companies are going to benefit as AEW takes on so much talent where it becomes, okay, we got to have somewhat of a moratorium in terms of getting these new guys in because we have all the talent we need and then some. Well, and, and we have to remember too, like it's not like when you're at AEW, you have a uh, a contract for infinity. I mean, a lot of the people that have been at the AEW from the early stages, from the ground floor, a lot of them we heard two, three year contracts. So those two or three years are will be coming up now or in 22. So uh, obviously, there's going to be crops of talent. You know, I don't know who or how many, but inevitably, there's going to be some that either the company is going to come back to them and say, "Well, either a we're not resigning because we don't feel like we need you," or b well, maybe we'll resign you, but it's going to be under different terms, and then the talent has to make a decision. So, um, you know, it, it, the, the roster looks like it's bloating now, but, it, I mean, it, we will start to see this natural – AEW will start to come into the natural cycles um, uh, here soon. Uh, a piece of news kind of happening as we go here. J.J. Smith, $2. Uh, wow, Women of Wrestling just announced a 2022 return with A.J. Lee and Tessa, uh, Tessa Blanchard. Um, yeah, I've been seeing some some other – some other uh stuff of this i believe on cbs is that what i'm seeing yes viacom cbs he announced a multi-year distribution agreement with gina bus in wow well i actually had a media event tonight in la and i chose to be here with my guy justin labar he, he takes president over everybody uh, but i was tipped off and told hey we're gonna have something big and in my mind i'd like to apologize for this i was like yeah what could it be like i'm sure it's gonna be tessa which is big but you know what, what, what could it possibly be in terms of bigger than that for a while and this is big news in terms of aj lee because you know, I, I thought that she was done with wrestling. I, I believe CM Punk recently probably just doing some business, uh, put it out there that she's not going to be wrestling. And so this caught me by surprise. Yeah, CBS, that's that's a big deal. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it it's a wild time to think of how much mainstream distribution is buying in to, to distributing pro wrestling. And I, and I say that because it's like, look, while there's a ton of buzz, you know, with AEW and, and the internet's very powerful in, in what it, it deems buzz worthy. When you still look at the actual numbers, fewer people are watching pro wrestling than they, than, you know, maybe than, than anywhere in the last 20, yes. 30 years. It just so happens that the people that do watch, they consume it all and they spend a lot of money, whether it's with WWE and the network and this and that, you know, so it's kind of crazy that that the passion that, that, that there's fewer people that are watching. It's just that their passion and their pockets are just are greater than ever. 
That's a great point. One of the biggest myths right now in AEW or in W in uh, pro wrestling in general is that pro wrestling is in something of a boom period and that AEW is just kind of getting hot in terms of a company that's drawing all these new fans and whatnot. What's happening is more the story, I think, is the decline of WWE in terms of their ticket sales and how a lot of these hardcore fans are now moving to AEW. AEW is doing a good job um, taking some of these hardcore fans who are already watching wrestling, but they're not creating any new fans. There's not a new contingent of people coming in as it was in the Monday Night Wars era where it exploded. It's not happening at all. What it is, is just a pivot from people going from one thing to another and choosing to go to another event. And yes, they're doing very well financially and getting big TV deals, but it's on a small scale and drawing from the same pool of people who are already watching wrestling. Yeah. Uh, five Canadian from Jody Shauna Jenkins. Uh, I don't see talent going the other way, i.e. to WWE, as many believe, uh, or uh, to WWE, as my belief is that WWE is focused in developing their own talent. That's my prediction anyway. Well, they are absolutely from, absolutely. They are, they want to develop talent and within their system. It's, it's been a longstanding thing. It does not matter what you accomplished and what other promotion um, by and large, it, it doesn't mean anything. you got to, you know, reestablish, you start, you start O and O zero zero and WB, um, you know, and they find talent from all walks. You know, they, they take the football players, they take the Olympians, they take the gymnasts, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's still going to largely be the focus. I don't think that completely, there's always exceptions to the rule. You know, if somebody who is a, enough of a talent, enough of a character, it becomes available from an AEW. I mean, that's, that's, that's still possible, but yeah, I think by and large they have, WB has the performance center and NXT there for a reason. So. Yeah, but don't think that when some of these AEW guys become free agents, WWE is not going to put move heaven and earth to try to get some of them, if nothing else, for the narrative. Even if they don't have plans for them, for the sheer narrative that, oh, WWE is starting to get some of these AEW guys. Like, if you, uh, if this but, is the Vince McMahon that I know, this man probably has a calendar in his office right now. Jade Cargill's contract is up here, MJF's contract's up on this day, Britt Baker's contract's up on this day, and I want you guys on the phone one week prior. Yeah, I completely agree. But to further that, because you're right, there's a narrative to it. To further that, though, if I'm the first big AEW talent to, quote, unquote, jump ship over to WWE, you better make sure that price is so sweet. Because, yeah, you run a huge risk of getting buried just Mm -hmm. to make a point of, oh, this person was a big star in AEW. And I know it sounds so ass backwards, and that's the wrestling business. That's the wrestling carny business. We're going to give this person a whole lot of money just so we can humiliate and take away their credibility to then let it be a reflection on, oh, see how big of a deal they were under that company. And how I mean, that's a real thing. So I would just say whoever is the first big name, sure. I would just make sure you are really happy with that price and that the money buys you happiness because you might have some long days at the office otherwise uh having to get used to being told oh no you're gonna you're gonna be chasing a 24 7 title that is a that is a great point (laughs) the only person i really don't see that happening with would be like a john moxley if he came back as dean ambrose but even then they might and i don't think he's ever coming back to wwe but even then i could see them doing something like that but that that is a an excellent point in terms of it'd be very interesting to see the first person who goes and whether or not they're treated right I'm, i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in to dynamite uh and they kick off everybody's in the ring ready to go we kick it off hot for this uh eight man was it eight man yeah eight man uh tag action here of the young bucks kenny omega and adam cole up against jungle boy luchasaurus brian danielson 
and Christian. So all kinds of sequences and fun to be had here. Uh, a big shift in the match, though, is the uh, the Raj Giri driver, as I call it, given by the Young Bucks on Christian Cage on the outside of the ring. So now Christian, they're playing up the neck uh, and the danger. Christian is now basically eliminated from this match. So it's four on three from this point on. Um, it's just uh, one thing of note. Uh, you know, again, this match was so hot. But one one sequence also to note: at one point, all the heels are trying to do a collective uh, help get Luchasaurus up on Kenny's shoulders to do a power bomb, a sitting power bomb. Uh, they couldn't really pull it off. They kind of lo- Kenny kind of lost the balance and grip. Uh, and, and then the heels began to embrace the Philly "you effed up" chance. Uh, and they just kind of uh, lean right into it. So I thought oh, that was yeah. a kind of a night, you know, I mean, you know, look, the Philly crowd's a Philly crowd, uh, a Philly wrestling crowd's a Philly wrestling crowd. So uh, I'm glad they lived up to their, to their credo and, 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 and didn't, you know, didn't cut these, these internet favorites short, a UF'd up chance when it's uh, deserving, but props to uh, the Bucks, Kenny and, and, uh, and Cole for just leaning into it and embracing it. It's the best thing you can do in that situation. Uh, ultimately though, jungle boy, he's going to get the uh, four way, uh, being the elite trigger, BT trigger, and uh, Adam Cole wins them. So a big victory for the super elite. Uh, hot, hot start here, Alfred. Yeah, it was a very hot start. I thought this was a good opening match. That finisher looked very impressive. Uh, they, they. It's funny because AEW teased or promoted that the entrances would happen 10 minutes earlier so you could tune into social media and see the entrances because this started right away to where they just got right into this match. As soon as the show opened, they did the in- intros and then they just got into the wrestling match. So that's very interesting because, you know, they had a lot on the show. And even with that, even cutting the entrances, they still ran up against the clock toward the end of the show. But I, I thought this was a fun opening match. It was a very fun opening match. I'm glad you mentioned that about the entrances because that was a note that I had. You know, we started when we started the the show when we started talking about Dynamite last Wednesday. I noted how just the first three entrances we saw the music, you know, was were so you know you know Cole's personality, uh, you know, the Jungle Boys, uh, Tarzan, um, uh, Adam Cole's. You know, it was so it's so interactive. I said it felt like a rock show. It felt like such interaction. Like the music is a big part of this. And so here, by for TV purposes, not getting Adam Cole's entrance on TV, not getting Jungle Boys, uh, not getting Brian Danielson's, you know, which has been a big hit since this came in. I did think that was a little bit of like, man, that's, that's a little bit of a move to, to to cut out some of your big gems that you have to to look forward to on the show, which is these, which are these very energetic, high energy, um, interactive entrances. So I mean, yeah, I guess good on them that they made it available on social, but you know, I, I missed that. And again, I'm just tuning in right at eight o'clock, right when the DVR clicks on. So. Uh, you know, certainly set the tone for hey, we have a lot we got to fit in here tonight. Yeah. Um, another interactive entrance that we did get though is our cult of personality CM Punk, uh, complete with a stage dive for yeah. the Philly crowd. Uh, he gets in, he basically asks him Alfred to go to Philly. He goes, I got a special place in my heart. He talks about living in Philly uh, once upon a time. He says, I can either wrestle or I can buy you some cheesesteaks. Which one do you want? <laughs> he opts for uh, wrestling and he puts it out an open challenge to Daniel Garcia for rampage this friday night uh which is in fact going to happen and then as he leaves you know he's got these these really nice (laughs) nike shoes he gives these shoes to this kid who's doing orange cassidy cosplay in the front row so uh a whole lot to take away from this one yeah and uh, you know on its surface, you know, if you watch this, it was a beautiful gesture for CM Punk to give this child a pair of Air Jordans. But then at the same time, now this child has to walk through the streets of Philadelphia with a pair of Jordans. So that kid's parents have better act like offensive 
expensive lineman and get those goons in Philadelphia away from them because, I mean, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm not walking through the streets of Philadelphia wearing a pair of Jordans, let alone holding a brand-new pair of Jordans in my hand. So I hope that family's smart enough in terms of how Philly views these Jordans because, man, if I saw that kid and I went to that show, Tony, if you see that kid and you get those Jordans from me, I'll pay you double, buddy. No, 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 no. Don't do anything to that kid. I'm just kidding. Just uh, but, remember. Uh, <laughs> just remember, this is the city that boots Santa Claus. This is the, this is the first city to have a – magistrate presiding in the basement of a football game with a jail cell that's that that's the city of philadelphia yeah city of brotherly love man and i'm just i watched him give that kid jordan's and i was like man that's a cool gesture but <laughs> you are that's a gift and a curse right there so and i really do like seeing that that orange cassidy costume is starting to become kind of like an iconic thing kind of like their version of the Macho Man costumes that you'll see all over WWE events. So it's really cool. It's a very easy costume to do. I might do like a Orange Cassidy costume for Halloween this year in October. It'd be Rotten Orange Cassidy, uh, which would be a lot of fun for me. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I like CM Punk's promo. Here's what I don't like about uh, what CM Punk has been doing in his promos. And I don't know if he's building to something long-term, but he keeps saying like, are you guys sick of me yet? And they're clearly not sick of him. And it seems very self-conscious. I do think it's come from a real place of self-doubt of him thinking, oh, any minute now they're going to turn on me. And it kind of comes off as a little awkward when he just continues to ask them, like, so you guys aren't sick of me, right? And uh, I wish he would stop with that unless it's going somewhere. But, uh, you know, I thought this was a fine promo. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to see uh, CM Punk and what he does for that Rampage number. Because for six weeks in a row now, Rampage has drawn its lowest number ever. And um, CM, but CM Punk, that first hour of the two-hour Rampage did really well. And it, it, 727,000 average. And for his match, it peaked at 806,000. So we'll see what it means to the Rampage rating if they could finally turn it around if CM Punk uh, advertised on Rampage. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting uh, strategy they're taking of, of, of Rampage just sl slowly becoming like the CM Punk show where you can see him wrestle. You know, he promos on Wednesday, yeah. tries to get you to turn in on Friday to watch him wrestle. Of course, when they tape Rampage, as they're doing tonight, it, it that basically just leads into Punk being the in-house main event for the live crowd. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things that I can, I guess I agree with it, but yeah, but the, the numbers, we got to see the numbers reflected. At some point, you have to go, okay, uh, you know, we're paying Punk, obviously, I'm sure, significantly seven figures. Um, we, we need to get him wrestling on the show that, has more monetary at stake, which is dynamite. So I'll be curious to see how long this trend continues with him. And I also think too, I mean, again, I props again, prop, you know, good on him wanting to give a rub to these younger guys, the Darby's, the Hobbs, the, 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 the Daniel Garcia's, but you know, we also, let's also keep in mind, let's, let's still make sure we're giving people, you know, some of the marquees they really want to see. I'm not saying we got to jump right into it all, you know, right away, but just I, again, all things I'm just thinking I'm, I'm watching to see. Sure. How do they pace this? Uh, I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Mike Nolan, because I uh, Philadelphia memory here because he loves to tell the story. But uh, buddy Nolan, and I, this is this is this is years ago. I WWE did money in the bank in Philly. Uh, I might. Uh, I don't remember if Cody Rhodes won it that night, even actually. But it was it was money in the bank in, in Philly years, years, years ago. And uh, Mike and I go out there and I did like a little meet and greet and everything beforehand. And we're walking to the meet and greet. I'm just walking down Philly and some some car, they, they drive right by me and this guy's sticking their head out of the out of the car. All they go, F you, Labar, and it's speed off. <laughs> and Nolan, Nolan always looks at me and goes, Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's a heel in Philly. At some point, Philly Everybody. will turn on you. Uh, so CM Punk is handing out shoes to kids in the front row. Arn Anderson's burning Armani suits. So there, that's this is the range of our uh, 
of our philanthropy here. Yeah, we're just burning money tonight. We're just burning money. We see a tape promo of Arn Anderson with a burn barrel in the backyard. And he's burning Cody's vest. Then Cody comes out like, Arn, what are you doing? You're being crazy. Go to bed. And then he he has Cody burn his tie. Uh, He's slapping Cody. Uh... I missed half the dialogue. I don't even remember all the dialogue because I, I was kind of laughing, trying to write and keep up with this. This is yeah. just funny. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I'm really enjoying this Arn Anderson turn in his character and that he's kind of like taking on this Mr. Miyagi role. He, he was always kind of like an ancillary character to Cody Rhodes where he's a coach. He's got his clipboard and he's not doing too much. He's just kind of calling the plays, quote unquote, but not really talking or doing much. But now... He seems very invested in trying to motivate Cody. And what this does is it makes Malachi Black come off as a bigger star because we hadn't even seen Malachi Black to this point. And you see how kind of the sense of urgency and how Arn Anderson really needs to get Cody focused for this dangerous killer in Malachi Black. But I just love that Arn is starting to take kind of a senile turn. And as long as it doesn't become too much of a cartoon, I find it very entertaining. I love that he's outside of Cody's apartment, like stalking the guy after talking about his Glock. So I, I'm just, every week I'm going to be very invested in what they've got for Arn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got Goldberg on Monday uh, repeatedly making murder <laughs> threats. <laughs> Arn's packing heat for p- potential carjackings. It's, what is going on in this? It's business? a wild. <laughs> it's a wild west. Uh, I, I, it's not a super chat, but I, I this pops me too much not to. <laughs> Gary says Philly stopped stealing sneakers of people years ago unless it restarted. Well, yeah, maybe they've, the maybe they've the evolved. Philly. They've evolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they steal tennis shoes, you know? They they don't steal sneakers anymore. Oh boy. <laughs> they, they they cleaned up that part of town. Yeah. And they were <laughs> at Temple University, so it was a nicer part of Philly, I guess. But like, okay. You know, play with Philly if you want to. <laughs> All right. Up next we get Bobby Fish making his AEW debut up against the new TNT champion, Sammy Guevara. Uh uh, you know, shout out to Bobby Fish. You know, guy. People might forget or don't realize the guy's in his forties, but he's in you know really good shape. He's a guy who, obviously, the pinnacle, no pun intended, of his career. Um, it, it was his time in NXT uh, that he got. Uh, you know, so it's cool to see him. Whether this is a one-off, whether he's uh, he's going to have some kind of regularity at AEW, I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But you know, cool to see him in the ring. Uh, this was a good match for what it was. But I'm just going to be honest here. The real story is what happens after this match. So Sammy Guevara is going to get the win. Hits the GTH. He's immediately attacked by Dan Lambert and uh, and, and and his posse. Uh, they're beat down, and then all of a sudden, Jericho's music hits. Jericho and Hager they come out to make the save, and then Dan Lambert proceeds to cut a promo, uh, trying to make the point of you know forget this you know shit stained city of Philly and what have you. You know we're gonna be in my backyard in Miami soon, and he's trying to lay down a challenge of a match. He's trying because as he's speaking. The crowd is there is so much heat. I think they're chanting "Shut the f up" at him. They definitely are. They are there. There is such uh, there is such heat and to the point of Jericho has to pull the old Steve Austin and Vince McMahon saying, "I can't hear you because you got twenty thousand people <laughs> screaming at you." Uh, this was this, Alfred. I I I can't remember that this guy is just this guy's automatic money right now. The Dan and I'm talking yeah. about Dan Lambert. I was literally trying to remember myself, and the only thing I could really compare this to is JBL at One Night Stand in Philadelphia. I believe it was in Philadelphia. and they, No, it was in Hammerstein Ballroom. 
And those people were going crazy, uh, chanting over him and saying, shut the F up, just like this. This is what that was reminiscent of, except I think this was louder. And I think this is way more heat in terms of a bigger building of uh, engaged Philadelphia fans just going crazy when Dan Lambert is talking. And this is the most heat I think I've ever seen anybody have in AEW. Yeah, so uh, so they're going to be in Miami. Uh, now, this is going to be, if I have this right, <clears throat> there's no Dynamite next Wednesday. Next week's Dynamite is going to actually be on Saturday. If yeah, I, had, I believe it is preempted on Saturday the sixteenth. Yeah, so um, so this is gonna be one of the things they're gonna they're gonna build towards again. Uh, Dan Lambert and 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 you know being from America top team being based in Miami. So, uh, but I don't think there'll be any problem getting heat in his uh, quote unquote hometown. Uh, right. This guy's this guy's got it. Yeah, this is this is this is good. And Jericho, I thought Dan Lambert was even great. Where there was a mishap with the microphone that Jericho thought it cut off, and he threw it aside mm-hmm. and tried to go for a new. And Dan Lambert picked it right up, didn't miss a step, and he was just like, "Oh, what's the matter? You can't talk. You want me to say it for you?" So this guy is just a superstar. Yeah, he is. He's um, I I I I don't I don't know what the plan is. I hope he sticks around. I think this, this guy's me too. I hope him and America's Top Team because they add something to this show. Where when they walked out, there was a visceral reaction. I think. Jorge Masvidal, I don't know how much he's going to be wrestling, but that would be a nice transition for him because I think he'd be a good fit. He's a big star, a proven name who's drawn money on pay-per-view with literally, and, and I'm not talking about wrestling. In UFC, they had a fake belt that they made up, the BMF belt. It did one of their best buy rates ever, and it was because of Jorge Masvidal and, Nick, uh, Dia, and Nate Diaz. And this guy is a certifiable money-drawing star, and I really hope that he's able to do more with pro wrestling. Is Dan Lambert the same one? I can't remember if you and I talked about this, Alfred. Is Dan Lambert the same guy that I'm thinking of <clears throat> that as soon as the name and image likeness passed, that he like he's like a big Miami hurricane booster and he was like prepared to like give everybody on the hurricane football team like f- some cra- like fifty thousand like some cra- like some amount of money or, or or something to come like uh work out and train at his gym. There's, I, th- I think it was him, I thought. I think uh, that was him, yeah, and I think we did talk about that. And I think that was after the NCAA you know, announced that they were going to be uh, paying student-athletes, but I believe that was him. This guy's great. I'm looking at the Dan yeah. Lambert All right, uh, Dean Regan TV, uh, 179, and the Euros. Uh, it says, Fish left NXT to avoid Tony D'Angelo. True story. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Damn right he did. <laughs> I think anybody who left NXT, uh, I think Adam Cole left NXT uh, because he knew Tony <laughs> D'Angelo was coming. <laughs> Greatest of all time. Uh, all right. Keeping it going. Uh, we get the reveal. Uh, Aubrey, uh, ref Aubrey, Aubrey Edwards, easy for me to say, in the ring with Tony Schiavone, and they uh, reveal the new TBS title uh, that's going to be in the women's division. So much like the TNT title, I know Tony Khan doesn't like to say that it's mid car it's it's of equal status, but you know, there's now a second title in the women's division. Uh the TBS title of course is coinciding with Dynamite moving to TBS on January fifth. Uh so there's going to be a tournament and they do a little video package too, catching up with a lot of the females in the back uh, backstage of you know who could potentially be in this tournament. There's gonna be a tournament that's going to lead in crowning the first TBS title. Alfred, do you like them adding a second? women's singles title uh, at this point. I do. I, I really do like it. It's good that they created a title for Jade Cargill because that's the only uh, <laughs> option I think it is. So it's good to see that Jade Cargill is going to be getting her title in January. She's going to be in that tournament, and I think it's a nice-looking title. I like the idea of women having more than one title uh, because otherwise it seems like they're kind of a gimmick. And this is something – I just talked to Court Bauer of MLW. I got a piece coming out for Forbes tomorrow. They're doing Fight Land, and he made some great points in terms of how he's going to be booking the women in MLW. They're going to have their own weight classes. 
He's going to have weight classes, several different weight classes for women, because he does not view women as just kind of uh, an ancillary part of the show to where they're going to have their one title and then the men are going to have all these titles. And I do like the idea of booking women on the level of they're going to have multiple championships because you've seen how big of a star Britt Baker is, you know, pound for pound, probably the biggest star in AEW. So to give other women that opportunity and, and kind of treat them uh, on the same levels of men as they have been doing with Britt Baker is only going to help with uh, the amount of different stars that they can create. So I like the idea of having multiple women's championships. That's interesting with the weight class thing because normally in, in pro wrestling, you know, like in courtesy of life, women's weight is taboo. You don't talk about a woman's weight. You know? Right. And yeah. so like they never, so like when they introduce women, it's never coming to the aisle from Pittsburgh PA Wayne 100 and you know, they just don't do weight. Uh, so that's really, that's a, that's a bold move to, to, to do a weight division. It is, but it'll fit in a MLW because I really do like how MLW approaches it like it's an actual sport. So they're they're like competitors and combatants or fighters to where they're treating it like even though it's a wrestling show, what differentiates them is they're doing it to, as if they were actually doing a shoot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, I'll give it a chance for MLW because they have a cool presentation, but I'm never big with just weights, classes, and pro wrestling. Like, I mean, when they when they when they rolled out 205 Live years ago, I was like, this is a huge mistake. Because you are now just, uh, you know, you, you know, it was one thing when the cruiserweight title or a lightweight title, light, you know, WWE said the light heavyweight title. It was one thing there where there was no actual defined weight. It just was kind of all by appearance. You know, you, uh, this person looks or works a style that, okay, we can classify them as a cruiserweight or a light heavyweight. But once you actually then put a number to it, then it's like, okay, well, I'm watching Finn Balor win the universal title, the inaugural first universal title. Finn Balor ain't over 205. Right. You know, it's, it, 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 I don't know. I, I never like, I don't like, I think weight classes just pigeonhole you creatively. I, I'm not a fan of weight classes in pro wrestling. I do agree with that in the history of pro wrestling. The one thing I'll say just to push back is one of the things people like to say is that, oh, when a smaller guy, look at all the smaller guys who get over in MMA and boxing and whatnot, and how come WWE doesn't push smaller guys? And it's because of how they've kind of pigeonholed people like that. I think the reason a lot of these Conor McGregor's and Floyd Mayweather's are able to get over is because they're in their own weight class and able to be world champions, pound for pound type uh, uh, talent instead of them. You know, we're not going to see Floyd Mayweather fight Evander Holyfield. So he gets a chance to carve out his own niche there. So maybe they'll be able to create, you know, undersized stars or superstars. I mean, MLW, obviously, that's a big ass in terms of the platform that they currently have. But I think that hopefully they'll be able to create stars within uh, smaller weight divisions. All right, we'll see. All right, uh, Darby Allen, he's going to be heavy in the second hour here with us. Uh, we got a Darby sit down with Jim Ross real quick. Uh, JR, you know, JR references, you know, the comments made last week about MJF and and, and, and why Darby paints his face, uh, the, the half that he does. And so, yeah, Darby again kind of talks about, yeah, uh, my uncle did die in a drunk driving uh, situation. I was in the car. Uh, I paint my face this half this way because I'm, I'm half dead. Uh, I don't feel things uh i don't feel emotions i i faced death that day um and he notices he notes how uh mjf tried to get really personal and he's like and i i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there he's not gonna you know i didn't punch him last week because he's not gonna beat me he's not gonna break me i'm stronger than he is emotion i'm not gonna give in so that then segues right into darby having a match against nick camarado uh again pretty you know camarado didn't even get an entrance on tv darby gets to the ring gets on the turnbuckle immediately dies off the turnbuckle we're off and running uh, but Darby ends up winning with the coffin drop, uh, and a little fun after the fact. Uh, QT Marshall hits a diamond cutter, which Sting no sells, and then Sting hits the uh, Scorpion Death drop on him. 
So uh, we'll we'll get we'll get to more Darby here in a second. But first, just the just this promo and then this match. Uh, Darby Allen, you like how he's looking? Yeah, I mean it's it's getting a little dark with Darby Allen with this storyline um, about as you know, we're hearing week after week about his uncle drunk driving and and the death and stuff like that. But it is a pretty dark character, so we'll see where it goes. I don't think Darby's done a good job connecting the dots in terms of like why do you have trusty shelves? Actually, you know, Eason brought this up to my attention uh, in, in that like they're not doing a good job connecting the dots in terms of why he has trust issues or why I get the half dead thing, but uh, he seems to be speaking to the fact that he doesn't trust anybody because of what happened, which what happened was, you know, his uncle, unfortunately it was a drunk driving incident. And I wish that he would shed more light on how that affected his trust issues, because I think that is an interesting story to be told. I agree. And also like, I feel like there's either an obvious miss in the story where it's like a head scratcher or there's an obvious layup to tie some loose ends together of like, okay, you have, you lost an uncle. So not a dad, but like an uncle. So it's kind of like, you know, uncle was always in, and in, in, in our culture is always kind of like framed as fatherly advice, but with not the parental pressures, kind of like somebody you can talk to a little bit easier, the fun uncle, the cool uncle, the, the goofy uncle. So you lost an uncle you have trust issues, but then you have a guy who's 35 years older than you. Who's a legend in the business constantly flanking you and sting. Exactly. So yeah, there should be like a, there should be a natural, like is sting filling the void that you've had your whole, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. That's so, I don't know where this goes. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I will jump ahead in the show right now just to kind of tie all the Darby stuff together. So later we do see Darby um, walking to walking through in the parking garage and uh, Alex Marvez catches up with him and says, you know, MJF's this year to challenge. And uh, do you accept it? And uh, so Darby's like, yeah, MJF, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to have our, our MJF versus Darby just as quick as he accepts that. A limo pulls up. Some masked men get out and start beating the hell out of Darby. Uh, masked man even takes over the camera. That's a nice little touch <laughs> to film all this. Uh, it, it's made obvious that this, this is uh, uh, the pinnacle. This is, you know, Dax, this is FTR and Sean Spears and Wardlow in mass. Uh, Wardlow does his F10 on to guardrails and, and stop signs looks, you know, so it's Darby's weekly brute, brutal looking bump that he takes. Yeah. Uh, and then MJF gets out again under a mask uh, to do the final beat up. So, uh, you know, a nice touch here, you know, the, 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 the opposing heels attacking, but of course just putting themselves under mass. So that, so as commentary noted, so they can just plain out deny, they had nothing to do with uh, handicapping uh, Darby. And they would actually go on to say later in the show that, and the Darby's not cleared, so this MJF versus Darby match, Alfred's not going to happen next week. They are stringing us along, as they should, for yeah. this big payoff. I love that. No, I really do like that, because I do feel like they gave away the Adam Cole-Jungle Boy match too soon, so uh, when it was MJF and Darby, I just felt this was more in the same, but I do like that they're taking their time with this. I like the beatdown. I like the presentation of this, and them cackling like hyenas, like JR brought up. <laughs> yeah. I love that they all had masks on, but they just wore their normal clothes, so that they pretty much telegraphed to you who they were, which is such a heel thing to do, because when they deny it, it's going to just be such a clear lie. So MJF in his nice suit, Wardlow delivering the F10 in a mask, and it's like... Uh, who else could it be but them yeah. in masks and, and the cameraman, like you mentioned with the mask, was a nice touch. So, you know, this is a very brutal-looking beatdown, and that guardrail did not look like a lot of fun to take an F-10 on with the with the cement right there. But, uh, you know, Darby takes some crazy bumps, and uh, this is more of that. Yeah. It, it wasn't a gimmicked guardrail, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. 412, $5 tomorrow is my birthday. Well, happy birthday, Mr. Wow. 412. Happy birthday. Same birthday as uh, Simon Cowell and Vladimir Putin. So happy birthday, my guy. Oh, wow. Look! Look at you—the birthday fun facts. <laughs> wait, wait. 
Why the frig do you know that it's Vladimir Putin's birthday tomorrow? <laughs> I saw this in the super chat, so I just pulled up a website and said October 7th birthday to see who else had the birthday. Wouldn't that be funny if I just knew off the top of my mind who the October 7th birthdays were? I don't know if it'd be funny, but it would certainly, again, be a question that I'd want the real answer to <laughs> as to why, why does a Forbes writer so quickly know that vladimir like are we investigating vladimir putin's yeah. you know he, he doesn't pay taxes he, yeah. Kremlin, <laughs> Kremlin, Kremlin doesn't pay taxes <laughs> uh mr four see, i don't know if, mr 412 i don't know if this is uh see i associate you know here in pittsburgh 412 is area code so i associate it as that as like a pittsburgh thing maybe his birthday is april 12th i don't know uh oh, but no matter what ha happy birthday tomorrow uh vladimir putin <laughs> the company yeah, sure. you're in Who's the other one? Putin and who else? Simon Cowell. Simon, oh god. Good lord. Those are the two. Those are the two biggest outlets. I don't I don't know which ones ruin the world more. Um, <laughs> all right. Dean, Dean Regan TV. I'm gonna have Russia's gonna attack into my I'm gonna be hacked by the next podcast. My wife texted me earlier too, and she goes, by the way, the Netflix password had to change. Somebody from Mexico was using our Netflix account. Now I'm gonna have like Russia hacking into uh oh, into our stuff. Now your algorithms <laughs> on that stuff is gonna be all this stuff that they like. <laughs> totally. Uh, Dean Reagan TV uh TV. Is Moxley in a worse place than he was in WWE? Ooh. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think a worse place. I mean if you Dean, if you mean like, yeah, he's he's not in the well. First off, he was champion in the world title picture for a very long time. So you that just as Jericho that runs its course, you got to mm -hmm. come back down and, and find some some contributions elsewhere elsewhere in the card. Uh, no, I don't think he's in a worse place. I mean, he's he's definitely getting to do his thing. I mean, I, I think John Moxley as the individual single star that he is right now in AEW is certainly better than pretty much any of the singles dean ambrose you know unfortunately dean ambrose was such a success in the unit of the shield especially early on but you know then i think about and mind you this is a guy who in 20 like 11 2012 i was like when i saw dean ambrose in fcw i was screaming to get this guy oh, yeah. up to the main roster and and i was so mad that it couldn't come to fruition with that stuff with he and mcfoley at the hotel like so mind you i'm a big john moxie transformed into this dean ambrose you know fan but unfortunately now, when I think back to WWE Dean Ambrose as a single star, I think about the highest stage, which was a big flop for one reason or another. I'm sure there's a story to it, which is, you know, WrestleMania match of Brock Lesnar. And it was, a you know, it was just a very blah street fight. Um, and you know, it's been hinted at even, too. I think even Stone Cold, even on his podcast, kind of like called out ambrose so i don't know it, bottom line dean i know i think mox is in a much better place he's he's independent he's creatively in a great place uh and in control fans are into him he's got a very unique entrance um yeah I, you know he's got credibility so i, I don't think and i do think a heel turn is coming any day now i think he cut a promo uh i think it was like a month or two ago uh, kind of running down a lot of the baby faces and then tonight if you saw his interactions with uh, hangman adam page he got booed and i do think that he's just once he turns heel i think we're going to get this kind of next iteration of john moxley but yeah you know he's in a holding pattern right now because aew can only push so many people at once and he got a major push when he was world champion and let's not let's not forget too the personal element. I mean, and he even made a mention of it on this promo tonight. He's got a three month old at home, yeah. so you know he might be happy with you know not you know he's not in a spot where he's got to work the main event of every show. 
or he's going to do every PR appearance for AEW as he said that now that they're back on the road. He, he might like the fact that he's, you know, can take a middle of the card position at the moment uh, and get back home and be dad and husband. And, and again, you know, he 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 carried a lot of the company for a year. So uh, I think I think I think we forget too. It's not our business, but since he put it out there, we forget there's a personal side to hey, I need some time off right now. Or hey, can we can we cool things down a little bit? You know, so I don't have to do as much of the stuff, you know, outside the TV. Uh, I think are all things that are that are relative uh, this day and age. All right, uh, back to the show here. So we get Dark Order and a promo backstage, and uh, uh, they've agreed, Alfred, that they are going to do more voting and then just their general <laughs> decision making. <laughs> So uh, I mean, I guess I mean, I guess the, the, they still eventually have to get a new leader, right? Uh, maybe, but I mean, this is the perfect time for Hangman Adam Page to come back because really, just last week they all got back together, and here comes Hangman Adam Page. So maybe they'll pick up where they left off because the story that they are telling long term for Hangman Adam Page is he does not have the confidence uh, that he needs to beat Kenny Omega, and he lost the last time he went for it in that group match. And so this would be a perfect place to pick back up if they're going to tell that story, which I do think is a great long-term story that if and when he does become world champion will be a very special moment. We got Dante Martin in the ring. He says he'll fight anyone. Lights yeah. out, lights back on. Malachi Black's in the ring, spits the miss, hits the midnight kick. Down goes Martin, lights off, lights back on. Martin's on the outside of the, on the floor. Black's in the ring. Black uh, grabs the mic, says the House of Black accepts. Um, so this, is, this appears to be Malachi Black's, again, his, his next. I don't know if he's still feuding with Cody in the grand scheme. But this is at least the next opponent for Malachi Black. And again, I'll jump ahead here to tie some things together. Later on in the show, we'll get a Leo Rush promo. Uh, this is the second week in a row. Of course, we got Rush last week. And this week, the focus of Leo Rush's promo offered is Leo is basically cutting a promo for an audience of one, and that's Dante Martin saying, you know, basically Dante, you know, I'm a businessman, you know, have your people call my people and basically kind of uh, offering his potential services to guide him to the promised land of success. So this sounds like, you know, at least right now off the bat, Leo Rush might not be putting on the boots and the tights to get in there and do what Leo Rush can do, which is some amazing things in the ring. This might be Leo Rush kind of taking the role that he had with Bobby Lashley on Raw some years ago where he's kind of uh, that, that very the very uh, obnoxious but entertaining uh, talking, you know, talking mouthpiece with him. I love it. This is exactly what Dante Martin uh, would theoretically need. I mean, he's cutting a promo, and I, you know, it's not every day you see a brother cutting a promo in the ring for AEW. So I had to double check, but then they pulled the rug, turned the lights off, kicked him in the head, and murdered him. So I was like, okay, this is the AEW that I know. But then the Leo Rush thing was very interesting because I like the fact that they're actually going to invest and build in terms of this character and have somebody talk for him because uh, a lot of the consternation in terms of I've been very outspoken and, and seeing, I want to see more guys like Dante Martin uh, get their shot in terms of becoming fully fleshed out characters. And it's like, oh, well, he can't cut a promo. A, I thought he cut a pretty good promo for the little I saw him talk. And B, just like when they had put a, a jungle boy with a Christian and uh, hid his weaknesses, Putting a Leo Rush with a Dante Martin can hide the, the flaw in his game currently while Dante Martin gets to shine in the ring, which he's incredible at. So, yes, I would love to see a pairing between Leo Rush and Dante Martin. I don't think it's going to go too well for him against Malachi Black, but as long as they follow up and they have stories for these two uh, to develop Dante Martin's character and Leo Rush, I think this could be pretty promising for Dante. I would agree. Uh, many in the chat saying that Bobby Fish is all elite, that AEW has confirmed that. So yes. congrats to Bobby Fish. Quick neck, congrats. 
All right, uh, we get another in-ring promo. So a lot of a lot of in-ring promos here wrapped together. Ricky Starks in the ring. He's talking trash on Brian Cage. Cage comes running out. A very, very, very quick brawl of Cage beating up on Ricky Starks before Team Taz pulls him out. Um, you look, we're in Philly. You know, FTW titles got a lot of history here. Taz obviously has a lot of history here. Again, I, I, I don't, I don't. It's, it's like you know, it's like Mom always said, if you don't have anything positive, say, don't say anything at all. But I'm supposed to say something about everything that we talk about on the show. I just think this Team Taz thing needs to stop. It's just not, it's just not doing anything for anybody. Ricky Starks looks like a stud. Sure, he looks like a stud, but I, I don't know. And, and and Hobbs on his own, like, but but under this Team Taz, Team Taz is, you know, they haven't won since the third grade picnic. It just feels like <laughs> it's like a bunch of ingredients with like all the ingredients sound good, but when you put them together, somehow it doesn't make a good stew or whatnot. It's like because I'm not a big fan of like beef stew, but I do like beef. I do like carrots. You know, I do like all the things that are in there. But together, I'm with you. I'm with like you on that. Thing. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you on that. I like all those yeah. things. I'm not a big beef stew guy. And I like soup. I like chili. Yeah. I like I like cheesy potato soup. I like creamy crab soup. Beef stew. I'm I'm right. with you. But I like that, I like You would think it would be delicious, but somehow all these just don't work together. And I feel the same way about Team Taz. Was Taz even on the show? I don't even think Taz made an appearance uh, on the show with this segment. I don't think so, which is very again interesting that they're in Philly that he doesn't make exactly. unless I, I know a lot of people have been trying to drop reports that there's been a lot more Blumini, there's been a lot of um, other people that made appearances tonight. So, I, unless they're saving them for something else, but um... here's a quick fun fact about this segment. So, Brian Cage did this segment, and, and Brian Cage on TV. So, one of my uh, the guy uh, Alex on Twitter reaches out, uh, shouting out Chico, California, my hometown. Brian Cage's hometown, Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about this before, so we're just shouting out Chico, California. Brian Cage, like literally, as the segment is coming to an end, maybe like right after it ends, he jumps into the conversation, and goes, "Oh yeah, don't forget about Nobby's in Chico, California." It's like you were just on TV. How did you get here so fast? Because this is a live show, so he must have gone straight to the back, checked his phone, and be like, "Oh, they're talking about Chico. Let me get in on this." So that's uh, Brian Cage in Chico, California. Alfred Kinoa, Brian Cage, and Aaron Rodgers walk into a bar. I'll let you yeah. guys. I'll let you guys finish it from there. <laughs> um, be, uh, you know that's what should happen. Instead of Team Taz, let's get Brian Cage, myself, and Aaron Rodgers in a stable. I'm sure we can. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be playing football probably next year, so we all get together after Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl and retires, and we all make a stable. That'll get Brian. We'll get Brian Cage over Tony Khan. I'm like sure how, he'd love to have me in AEW. Like how you snuck that in there. To yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of chatter on here in Pittsburgh about Aaron Rodgers coming to Pittsburgh next year. Because oh like, because leading up to that Pittsburgh game last week, he like shouted out how much he, you know, there's a, a guy here that, that does a gimmick called Pittsburgh Dad, a very popular series. And and Mike McCarthy, is a, I think, is from this area. So Rodgers talking about all the time. So he had to listen to McCarthy and his headset speaking Pittsburghese and the Pittsburghese accent. And, Mike Tomlin apparently loves Aaron Rodgers. Like all this talk of like, you know, Ben's going to be dead by next year. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers is coming to Pittsburgh. By week 11, based on how Ben looks. <laughs> that's, that's being And generous. I did see, you know, that is worrisome because I did see Aaron Rodgers and Mike Tomlin were playing a little too nice. Even during the game, they're exchanging these loving looks where Aaron Rodgers was trying to catch him offside and Mike Tomlin's giving him this look like, ah, I got you. So they're a little bit too chummy. So I could see something like that happening. Let's, let's 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 waste all your cat money, Pittsburgh, on bringing Aaron Rodgers. You know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, looking to see here. Uh, yeah, it was super chat. Uh, Dean back at it again. Cage feels made for WWE. They haven't used him well. Um, 
Has he ever had a run at WWE? I know a lot. Most of the Luchasaurus. Okay, Luchasaurus was in NXT. Yeah. Uh, Wardlow, I know, was at some PC. He did some PC tryouts. Um, obviously, never got signed. I'm trying to think. Like, I'm basically, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, some of the big men that AEW have had all have all had like uh, Nick Camarado was in NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not. It's not like these are, you know guys that WWE hadn't already seen for for what you know or Lance, Lance Archer was in WWE or, or FCW uh, I, I don't agree that Cage would be a good fit I think a lot of people say that because he's got the look I think what would happen with Brian Cage is going to be very careful because I think Vince would see his body and stuff like that but then he would see how Brian Cage works which I think Brian Cage is a phenomenal worker he's obviously influenced by Canyon if you saw that dark side of the ring because he's got all this innovative offense and if Vince saw a big guy working like that Vince would be like, what the hell is he doing? Why is he jumping around? Why is he doing these suplexes? Yeah. He needs to be doing this. And then he would learn how to work like they did with Keith Lee and teach him how to work like a giant. And plus, you know, Brian's up there in his 30s, and I don't think WWE is looking for people in that age range. And I, I don't think that Brian Cage, if he went to WWE, would be a good fit based on how Vince McMahon wants to book guys who look like him and based on what WWE is looking for right now. Yeah, and Brian Cage also, to, like, obviously Brian's jacked all hell. But he's not, he's not, and this is relative. I'm not talking about to, <laughs> the man on the street. Brian's not that tall. Yeah. Like he, like he's wide and, and very built, but you know, you put him next to, you, you put Brian Cage, uh, I'm trying to think of like some of the big men that WWE have, like Omos, um, even gender. Like you, mm-hmm. you put, like you put, you, you stand Jinder Mahal next to Brian Cage. Brian Cage again has a physique, but he doesn't look like a big man. You know, what I mean, if, 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 that understand, if that makes sense, you know, it definitely so. is. I call it the Randy Orton because I think Randy Orton is to me the staple of that. If, if, if this is like when I saw Matt Riddle standing in the ring with Randy Orton, I was never sure how tall or big Matt Riddle is, but Riddle looks fine next to Orton. I think that's one of the reasons uh, that he is kind of thriving on the main roster right now. But sometimes there have been people who, when he stands next to Randy Orton, who's very tall, much taller than you know, he kind of looks on TV. Sometimes when Randy Orton towers over somebody, it, it kind of is almost the, the signal of death. Like, uh oh, like this, uh, they're going to think that they're too short. Uh, I, I, it's the same thing with Dustin Rhodes or Goldust. Yeah. He's a legit 6'6. He's a tall dude. And so, like, I always thought that if you look back, like, in the, this is really dating back in the mid 90s, but when, Gold, when Goldust would have, like, little spats with The Undertaker, and like the Undertaker's built at six ten, but Mark Calloway is like generously six eight, yeah, at best. So Goldust ain't much, you know. Gold, you know, I was like, uh, that kind of kills the Undertaker size vibe early in the Undertaker's career. Uh, that Goldust is, you know, in this gold <laughs> gold bodysuit, which made him look even taller because all one color. Um, but yeah, anyways, but uh, but Brian Cage, I mean, you know, yeah, but I, you're totally right, Alfred. He does not work like what v- v- Vince would be pulling him aside quickly um yeah so uh this is an interesting one here we get a women's match we get uh hikaru shida up against serena deeb now the gimmick going into this is that they have a trophy and everything already there with the 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 her name on it that if she wins she's the first female in aw to hit 50 wins so she has this very competitive uh two segment match uh with Deeb and I gotta give credit when she you know she does the first one out the tunnel, crowd's not making a lot of noise. What you do see the crowd, there's not many people on their feet. It's kind of a pretty low crowd for what is positioned in the show as it's the last match before the main event in terms of matches. So it's the kind of the throwaway cool down before get you back up. Uh, but credit to these ladies, 
they got the crowd into this uh, pretty effectively. Uh, There's also a really cool spot I want to point out. Sheeta gets like this front face lock. It looks like she's going to basically DDTD, but rather than doing a DDT, she gets D off the ground and does like an airplane spin. So that was pretty cool. We got a pretty good reaction. Uh, but the the shock here, Alfred, is the the finish. They're they're you, the trophies out there and everything ready to go. D raking the eyes, getting pretty dastardly, ends up winning the match, getting Sheeta in this knee wrench submission, and then after the match, grabs the glass trophy or whatever whatever it's made of, and starts <laughs> beating Sheeta with this trophy. So uh, this turned in I, what I thought was just going to be a ceremonial let's go yay for Sheeta, who was kind of, you know, our first lady we wanted to strap, you know, booking push to. And no, this is this is something else spawned out of this. I love this. And really, it wasn't too much of a shock to me because this is kind of what I expected. Um, and even the first time around when they did this with Jungle Boy, that's what I thought that they were going to do is they're going to. I thought this is a great way to get heat in terms of we're going to build up this 50 thing. We're going to make people think they're going to win by having this trophy out there. And then the dastardly heel is going to beat them. And, and it's going to cause the fans to boo them really uh, vociferously because they want to see that 50. And when they didn't do it with Jungle Boy, I thought to myself, okay, that's good. That's pretty cool that they're really celebrating this 50 wins. But eventually, they're when the next time uh, they have an opportunity like this, I think they should pull the trigger on like having the heel win. And I'm glad they did this because now it's almost like she's chasing a championship where that 50 wins now means even more. I think this crowd was very furious with Serena Deeb that uh, not only did she win and deprive her of that moment, but also, like you said, beat her up with that trophy. And I thought this was a classic heel moment, which I just don't think AEW has enough of these moments to really create legitimate heat for somebody as a heel. And I thought this was really good. I thought Serena Deeb was great, both in the ring and as a heel, as a character. And and I want to see where this goes and how long they stretch this out to give uh, Hikaru Shida that 50 wins. Yeah, you know, it went from, like I said, it went from kind of, you know, eh, in the entrances to, like you said, heat at the end here. Um, you know, I, I get critical of AEW sometimes about, again, it being the, 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 them pandering, you know, t- Tony Khan, you know, you know, right now it's like Tony Khan's like the biggest baby face in wrestling to a, to a population. And, and AEW can do no wrong. There, there is that narrative. There is those section of fans. And I do get on sometimes of like, you know, I think. I think Aubrey's really good. But I think a lot of the referees are, you know, right. or at least by the direction. They don't enforce rules or whatever, whatever. But I will say I got to give credit to the, the, the crowds at AEW that they play along. They don't hijack the shows as we had seen in past years in like WWE shows where like, you know, beach balls or whatever. Like, they, you know, they, they hijack the shows in some regard. AEW fans play along. You know they 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 were they were not going to let the Bucks and Kenny and them Kenny and them slide, and they gave them a UF'd up chance, and then those guys and they boo them because they know that they're supposed to boo them because they're the heels, uh, or like I, this this could have easily fallen flat. The fact that Serena Deeb at the heat she got out of, I'm, I'm proud of the fans getting it. Dan Lambert, I'm, I'm like I'm, I don't know I'm, what I'm saying is it is nice to see moments of like actual real palpable heat, and even MJF. Every AEW fan, if you pull them aside as they're leaving an arena, they'll talk glowingly about how good of a heel MJF is, and he really knows how to get heat, and he really knows how to also work. The, they'll, they'll give all the praise, but they still know to play along, and they and they still also get sucked in. And so I got to say that that's something that's kind of pretty in 2021. It's pretty refreshing that can have happened. And that Serena Deeb, who again, um, 
coming in with very little background in AEW and and the fact that she, that, that she was able to turn this segment into what she was and then she did for that fact. So I uh, this was this this might have been my surprise of the night. This really I had no real I thought oh this is going to be a simple sheet of squash whatever give her the trophy uh, whatever. But this turned into something far more. So I'm 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 in for it. That's what I liked about it. They really set this up like this is going to be Sheeta's moment. And they've already set the president with that, with the Jungle Boy moment where they had the trophy built. And so you think to yourself, okay, they've got the trophy out there. They're not going to just make this trophy for her not to win it. And then she didn't win it. So this is very, very well done. Yeah, Serena Deeb, the woman of a thousand uh, holds. Uh, and they confirmed it on commentary. I don't know if I knew this or not, but the fact that uh, the man of a thousand holds, Dean Malenko, in fact, uh, gave her the okay to, to, yes, to use that. Pretty cool. All right. Main event time. Casino ladder match here again. Uh, first two competitors start. Every two minutes after that, a new one comes out. Uh, Got to grab the chip. The chip at the top will give you an automatic title match against Kenny Omega. Uh, we start with Orange Cassidy versus Pac. 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 Uh, we then get next get Andrade El Idolo. Uh, he has a crazy spot. He sunset flips back off the ladder. Looked pretty brutal. Uh, out comes Matt Hardy. Of course, he's no stranger to ladder matches. Go to commercial. During the commercial, out comes Lance Archer. Lance Archer, he's doing some dominant uh, stuff. Then here comes John Moxley out of the crowd. Moxley gets met in the crowd by Lance Archer, as we've been talking and teasing all the entire show. If you go back and watch it, you know one kid take, you know, I mean, good granted, and the fans are kind of in the mixer. You get what you get. You, you get what you put yourself there for. If you're going to lean in, it's going to happen. We got fans getting hit and shoved. Then they get inside the ringside area again, and, and they shoved one of the other ones against a barricade. Some dad's got a kid in his arms. He has to jolt back. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Um, just all wild. Uh, then now it's time for the Joker. Who's the Joker? Who's that last spot? And Hangman Page's music hits. First time we've seen him in over a month. Crowd goes monster. monster. Banana. Crowd goes banana uh, for Hangman Page. Uh, we, then, we get a few big spots. Page. Huge slam on pack from the top of the ladder oh, through a table. Looked brutal. I never want to see that again. It like it looked, I don't know about you, but it seemed like he was in there in the air forever. And Pack was like going head first down to that table. And he eventually overcorrected. He's a phenomenal athlete. But I mean, there is a universe where that goes wrong. And it, the more they take fate with a spot like that, my goodness, that was scary. No, I agree. Uh, we also got Matt Hardy. He does his uh, old he does his traditional Hardy. Uh, leg drop from the uh, top of the ladder onto Orange Cassidy through a table. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've seen, I, I've ridden in a car with Matt. I've seen how Matt gets into a car. Matt can't, <laughs> most of us open a passenger door and we step our left. If you're getting in the passenger, you step your left leg in and then you kind of slide your body in, you, whatever. Matt can't do that. Matt has to open the door. Matt turns this way to face outward and has to kind of like seat himself and then swing. Like those hips and, and and that ass tailbone has gone through a lot of pain, and uh, and and he just added a few more years to that spot, and he was selling it like crazy too because he, he went through. You could tell that did some damage to him. Uh, big old finish. We finish up with Hangman Page, and I'll joke, joke with Alfred just before we started recording. <laughs> the finishes we have Page and Moxley, which makes sense, mind you, because you know, the champion is what you're going for. You get a title shot against champion. Champion's a heel, so it totally totally makes sense to have two baby faces up there, right? Fine. You know, make it a little unpredictable. Which one's going to get it? Paige and Mox are up there, and they're punching furiously at each other. And then, like, they just kind of stop. <laughs> Moxley kind of mouths something, and then he just kind of half-heartedly falls off the ladder. Yeah. 
I don't know if the idea was supposed to be fist of fury. Oh, I'm dazed and I fall off. But it kind of looked like punch, 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 punch. It looked looked like that rock I'm sopping robots. Yeah, game. That's what it looked like. It was punch, 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 punch. And then Moxley went, I'm out. And then he just kind of, <laughs> like I don't know if there was a time constraint or what happened. Yeah. Anyways, Paige climbs up, he grabs the chip. Uh hangman Adam Page is now in line for a long awaited title match against his former best friend, Kenny Omega. You okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. 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 yeah, yeah. You okay with that? We're supposed to be cryptic. You okay with that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like the decision. I like the booking. I, I do think that was definitely a time constraint where they had something planned. It's like we don't have time for this. We gotta let me just fall off the ladder because they rushed off the air. And uh, love this comeback for Hangman and Page, who continues to be a big star. Well, the crit- critique I have for this match is they had too many spots where somebody was in position to either climb the ladder and go for the title, and they chose to either go through a personal grudge or Lance Archer was standing in the ring. Nobody's in the ring. He could have literally just climbed that ladder and gotten the chip, but he waited for John Moxley to come out, and it just makes the title seem like this title needs to be treated as everybody in this company wants to go through heaven and earth to get to this title. And I think it should be the reverse. If, if somebody has a feud like Andrade and Pac, it's like, oh man, he just put that personal grudge aside to go get that title because that's what takes precedent. But they did not tell that story multiple times in this match. Oh, they're going to their personal grudge instead of going for the title. And I just don't like that storytelling at all. Well, even commentary noted it very early on. Uh, Andrade, he's got nobody else around him. He's up yeah. there with arms reach the chip and he decides to do the sunset flip thing. You know, yeah. and I think JR was like, you know, and JR, JR does not let these guys slide. He actually, you know, JR even calls it. He's like, well, he could have just grabbed the chip right there. Yes. Um, also, JR, at the finish of the opening match, when all four of the guys do this, the, 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 the V trigger to Jungle Boy, they're doing the recap, and JR goes, and all four of them hit Jungle. I don't know how all four are in the ring at the same time. And <laughs> <laughs> again, ripping the lack of enforcement of rules. That's what he's there for. And I heard that JR is going to start scaling back his duties on commentary. And there's going to be a void there because JR does think a lot of things that are in my head just watching <laughs> wrestling. And it's like he speaks for the viewer at home. His role in that booth is he, I think, captures a voice of the kind of cynical viewer. And a lot of people are thinking the things that JR just kind of blurts out. And I love it, actually. Oh, man. Fun stuff. Um, it's going through a couple of fun chats. Yeah. Ethan Cruz, yeah, I'm surprised Matt did that leg drop after he said yeah. he regret doing that for a long time. Yeah, they they add up. It's like I remember when uh, when Fandango d- d- debuted WWE and he did the, the the off the top rope leg drop. I'm like, dude, that is going to take years off your career quickly on on taking that bump. I mean, Hulk Hogan's had to get a new hip, and he yeah. did it. <laughs> he did it. You know, just. He you know, standing, it really didn't get much air on it, and it completely screwed up his back. And he said multiple times if he could do it again, he would just done the exploder clothesline he did in Japan, which was actually an awesome finisher if you know how to take it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so to see people jump off ladders with the leg drop, you know that that's causing a lot of back pain. Yeah, that's uh, oof. I don't know. Yeah, I see some of those leg drops. Uh, oh, that's nice. Uh, thank you, Gerald. Uh, host for wrestling well we have a great this really i was actually saying this to roger the day we have a great uh we have a great i think this is our our, our roster is you know talk about aw and rosters our roster at wrestling inc with the podcast i think are at is at peak position right now 
you know, Alfred, you know, Raj is always in his great spot. We have Jack Farmer on Mondays, who's who, yeah, Jack's his own flavor, but yeah, I think he's fun to watch. Issa okay. offers great perspective. Obviously, Glenn is, is the OG of the wrestling podcast. Uh, there's really a lot of great stuff going on. Yeah, shout out to Chuck Carroll. We got we got a load yeah, of Chuck's Roger, in there. Raj isn't going to be able to afford all of us for very long. So <laughs> no. he's, got, he's gonna Roger, have the Tony Roger, with AEW or something. He's gonna have the Tony Khan problems eventually. All right. I'm crumbling up the notes. That's it. That's gonna do it. Uh Alfred, give me the final plugs. What do you want to put over? Uh, this is nasty. Got a piece coming out on MLW Fightland tomorrow. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, follow me on YouTube. Subscribe. I am three subscribers away from a thousand, meaning I'll be monetizing. Me and YouTube will be business partners. Pro Wrestling Bits on YouTube. Let's get over a thousand, ladies and gentlemen. I want to give a shout out to Hot Pockets. Uh, I tweeted my, my random tweet of the day was, uh, and this was from Real Experience uh, at lunch. I said, there's, there's no greater pain than biting into a Hot Pocket. And it exploding on your face when it's still too hot. Oof. And uh, and Hot Pockets uh, replied to me with the uh, with a fire sign. So Hot Pockets, if you're listening, come at your boy. We can do the. I'll be happy to do uh, the Justin Labar Hot Pocket tour. I'd be happy for Hot Pockets to be involved in all pot. I'd be happy to have Hot Pockets uh, all, all the different flavors here on the podcast. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of natural segues we can do with 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 the Hot Pockets. So just oh want to. Oh my god, that'd be great. Cheap plug for the sponsors. Um, you know, I, I, I know, I know HelloFresh isn't sending any Hot Pockets out, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. All right. I know. Follow me at Justin Labar. Uh, I think this is the last you're going to hear from me this week. I'm not on Busted Open this Friday, taking uh, Friday off. Uh, we're back next week for Monday Night Raw. Back next well, – I guess Alfred and I'm not back next next Wednesday. I don't know what's going to happen next week with Dynamite being moved. But nonetheless, follow Wrestling Inc. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating. All that stuff can really help us. We really appreciate it. Uh, for at This Is Nasty, at Justin Labar, be safe. Good night. We'll talk to you soon.